Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, guys. Well, I'm joined today by Jeremy Brooks. No silent letters Mm-mm. in that name. No. I mean, yeah, because you have to have the both O's to do the Brooks. You need it all. Yeah, yeah you need yeah. it all. Yeah. But we're also joined by a very special guest, Liz Franchot. Silent T. Silent T. That's a strong letter to keep silent. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like if it's like a silent H, if your last name was like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, I mean, a silent age, that's nothing. Thompson, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But a silent T, I mean, that's to keep that guy from making any noise. No. I mean, that's strong. It is. It is. Gosh. It's like T like tsunami. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe silent T's aren't as uncommon as I think they are. <laughs> but like, I still feel like it's awesome. All right. So, but I'm joined by Liz Francio, Jeremy Brooks. We're going to talk about Nia Maya. Before I get there, guys, okay, you both are proud. And when I say proud, I mean proud graduates of the University of Georgia. Good dogs. Good dogs. How are you feeling right now? I mean, you got to be feeling kind of good. Yeah. I mean, things are looking up. Things are looking up. Feeling so good. You feeling good about getting by Florida? You know, number one's an interesting place to be because the place to go is down. Yes. Yes. but I mean, I'm I'm confident. I'm confident in Kirby. I think he can get us there. You guys got so much talent. How do you feel about the rematch against Auburn in the SEC championship game? That is, <laughs> it's hard in, to beat a team in, twice. Inevitably coming up. <laughs> inevitably coming up. GBD. That'd be fun though. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I think it'd be amazing. Uh, well, guys, good luck. I mean, I, I I'm obviously going to be pulling for Auburn in that rematch, but. Um, you know, if we can't get if we can't get by y'all on that, then I'm a dog. I'm I'm, I'm wanting to see y'all. Hey, I'm wanting to see y'all do that. it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let's go to you know another competent leader like Kirby Smart um, that had a great challenge in front of him, Nehemiah. We we've been chipping away at this book, talking about God's redemptive plan, um, the importance of Jerusalem as a sign of the kingdom. Uh, of God, um, and, and as a part of that redemptive plan, Nehemiah is under Persian rule and restoring the great city of Jerusalem, particularly by restoring the walls. We talked about this idea of redemptive work and things that we can learn from this text that we looked at last week, the way of redemptive work, the complexity of redemptive work, and just the difficulty of redemptive work. So. Yeah, any thoughts you guys had uh, on the sermon before we get started with just some particulars? It was interesting to start with William Carey and just thinking through more recent years of God's mission and God's purposes <coughs> being accomplished on the earth and just the the resoluteness he had of just this idea of, hey, let's attempt great things for God and let's expect that God will 
will honor the things that we do um, in his name and for his glory. And so I, I thought that was a great place to start and challenged me just to really think about, you know, what am I attempting? Yeah. How am I living my life? Um, which I think will then go into like really thinking about, okay, then how do we do that? But it, it was a good start to just be like, am I, am I in line with what God is doing? Um, so I, I loved that. One of the things that I talked about later in the sermon, uh, you know, Jonathan Edwards said every Christian should talk or should think about heaven 30 minutes a day. Um, this is kind of what I was talking about hope and the idea of Christian hope. Carrie thought about global lostness. That is a very interesting feature of mm -hmm. his ministry. Obviously he was a pastor in England and, uh, um, you know, he had a, he wasn't like a powerhouse pastor, but he had a decent ministry. Um, at first he was a bivocational pastor mm -hmm. and a shoemaker, a cobbler, uh, and, and right there in his little cobbler shop. I mean, imagine going to the shoe repair store. I go to Benny's and y'all, you know, Benny's Liz. Mm, I actually don't know. You're I, like need a, a, I need a shoe repair. You got to go to Benny's. Now I will say this. Benny's is expensive, <laughs> but mm. it's the best, you know? And so. I, I would say price over time, you're gonna get more out of Benny's. But anyway, that's what it wasn't. You didn't go to Benny's, you you went to Williams, mm -hmm. William Carey's. And, uh, but in his shop there, he had a map of the world and he had on the map where people were lost. Mm. <laughs> and, and of course, like he didn't have like great data sure. on the world then, but he would say, you know, here's, India, they, they called it Hindustan then. And there's, you know, a, a billion, I mean, probably wasn't a billion, but you know, there's a billion lost people there, whatever it was, a hundred million lost people there. And so he had, he thought about global lostness all the time. And so it's just interesting, like it, how different would you live, A, if we thought about Christian hope and B, if we thought about, I would say, uh, missional need, mm -hmm. you know, you could say it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do think that it's very easy and I know we're going to get into some of this, but it's just very easy to not think about these things that I think God really wants us to be thinking about. And you get at that later when you talk about justice, um, like Tim Keller's definition of right. biblical justice, but he kind of was making the point that like we need to, and you were saying we need to think like Christians, which really you're saying like, we need to think like Jesus, like what was Jesus thinking about? And, and yeah, that, you don't attempt anything that you're not really thinking about. That's right. I think that's a really good point. And I think that as we think about Christian discipleship, uh, now, I mean, as we know the Bible, like, so you, you read a story like Nehemiah and it kind of makes you think about some of these things, right? You, mm -hmm. you ask yourself the question, okay, like what is God doing? What, what redemptive work is God doing in my time? But it, it, but but thinking like a Christian is not just you know memorizing the Ten Commandments or whatever. Mm -hmm. It it is what you just said. It's it's thinking the way that Jesus thought. What was Jesus thinking about? Well, I think he was thinking about the hope set before him. I think mm -hmm. he was thinking about the Word of God. I think he was thinking about the mission that God had called him to. I think he was thinking about the needs that were all around him. I mean, th those are the kinds of things that obviously occupy Jesus' mind because there's what occupied Jesus's mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're not thinking like Christians, we're not going to really be Christians. I think what we were just talking about too, before we got on is like, it's not just a, you know, a moment in time where we 
think like a Christian and then we act on something. And I was just looking at the scripture here and over a period of about 30 years, you know, Ezra did work and then Nehemiah. And mm -hmm. so you think about, you know, the time as well, you know, is that we're, you know, we're putting in the work of the ministry over time too. And it's this yes. moment by moment, but also over a significant mm -hmm. period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I think that is something that has kind of been lost too, is the, uh, a long-term vision for things. Uh, and w w I think we oftentimes ask, you know, I heard Alistair Begg say one time, Christians overestimate what can be accomplished in one year and underestimate what can be accomplished in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really good way to think. And I think that, you know, it might not be 10 years, it may be 30 or 40 or 50, or 100 or 200 years, right? I mean, I think sometimes we need to be thinking like, okay, beyond my life here, this could happen. Mm -hmm. And here's the factors that need to be in place in order for it to happen. And here's the way the Lord could use me. Um, now, this is a good segue to our first point, mm -hmm. the, the way of redemptive work. Now, <laughs> it's good to have those thoughts. It's good to be thinking like I just talked about, strategic thinking. So often though, like our strategic thinking is not like the, the way that the Lord wants to work. Mm. Um, and so I talked about the way of redemptive work is really this strong confidence in the fact that God has invited us into his redemptive work and this strong confidence in the fact that God is fighting for us. This, this posture of confidence that, that God is at work, that he is fighting for us, that, that his providential plans are going forward and this posture that, we take part in those plans. Mm -hmm. um, there was a question that was asked though, is I mentioned the story of Moses, you know, God is fighting for you. You need only to be still here. Nehemiah, the Lord is fighting for you. Uh, so do the most complex possible thing, you know, get a sword, get bricks to build the building. But in both cases, I would say the posture is really the same. The activity was different though. And so mm -hmm. the, the person was basically saying like, how do you know, how, how do you know which one, you know, you're being called to, uh, I don't know mm -hmm. any thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Liz, did you jump in? Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be talking more about, you know, your personal relationship with God. And I think that that's really where you go with wanting to know what to do next. And, you know, it's looking at, okay, well, what, what is your life right now? You know, your life right now is ordained by God. He's brought you to faith, Lord willing. He's giving you a job. He's giving you these, these means of grace right now. And so that's where really you start is, is in what, you know, what is in your present day, what's in mm -hmm. your present moment and how God is already using you. And, and then, you know, I thought what you said, Jason was like, God will intervene on behalf of his people who are acting in accordance with his wishes. Yeah. So if we're, you know, day by day, fulfilling those, those commands of loving God with our whole heart, mind, soul, strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves. We are, we are in the way of his grace. We're in the way of, of his redemptive, his redemptive work right mm -hmm. there. So mm -hmm. then, you know, do you, more will be revealed as you continue to walk in that. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very important. I mean, I, I think that like the general posture of the Christian is an active obedience, mm -hmm. right? And so I do think there's times where the way to obey is just to joyfully be patient. But those aren't, that's not like 
you know, the, the posture of a Christian is not just sit around and be patient and wait for something miraculous to happen. The posture of a Christian is to engage with what the Lord's doing. And, and what I would say is this, like I, I tried to give this example yesterday in the sermon. There've been a lot of times where I have worked and worked and worked over here and then God opened the door over here. Mm -hmm. I don't count all of this work as in vain, right? Because I think I was doing what the Lord was calling me to do. You know, John Posey was talking this morning about assignments. I was I was trying to do the assignment. And the Lord in his kindness just opened a different door that usually is a better door, right? Um, or, you know, is a better door. Um, and so I think that is the posture of the Christian life. So I don't think it's like, how do I know? I don't know if I'm supposed to work or not work. Um, you know, I think, you, you know, yeah, the posture is like, if you can do something, you should do something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like you can't really do anything. If you get diagnosed with terminal cancer and they say you have two months to live and there's nothing we can do, uh, God still might intervene in a miraculous way, but the thing to do is just to joyfully be patient and entrust the plans of God. Yeah, like it's, you know, his little words here, our God will fight for us. Like God, I think that's actually like a good, uh, even doctrinal thing, like to understand right. about God. God is fighting. Like this, God is doing things. He's always doing things. He's never not doing what he wants to do. Um, and he, like the mission of God is primarily his mission. And we're just, we're just part of it. We're instruments, but God is always fighting. And mm -hmm. so we should be aware that God is doing that. And then actually like we can actually be pleasantly surprised That's right. when he opens these other doors, these other situations flourish or just this is a new direction that we need to go in because we just are aware. Yeah, God <coughs> is doing something. I'm just trying to be faithful with with what is right in front of me. And then the other thing that I was thinking of related to this question, though, of like, OK, so right now, do I need to go talk to somebody and say like, hey, I'd like to get involved in this or do I just need to pray for this? And a lot of that does come down to like, you know, who are you? How has God made you? To what Liz said earlier, providentially, like where's he put you? What workplace has he That's put right. you in? That's good. Because it's the same thing with like Ezra and Nehemiah. Like they were working in a similar thing, but they were different people. Ezra was this priest. Nehemiah was this manager, this general, this, this organizer. And so they had different roles in this work. And they were humbly, I think, submitting to what God had created them and called them to. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And that's where the Bible is just so helpful, right? I mean, it's real stories about real people doing real things. Um, and we just don't know the plans of God. I think that's our problem is we wanna like over, uh, we wanna oversimplify the work of our meticulous and sovereign and wonderful and wide and amazing God. Um, you know, the analogy that was coming to mind, you know, you talked about football yesterday and trying to teach these kids to keep contained, mm -hmm. right? Which is a little <laughs> counterintuitive, right? If you're, if you're trying to make a play, you think I run to the guy with the ball, right? But of course I don't want the guy in the end, you know, I'm trying to teach these kids how to play like a defensive end position or an outside can contain technician and keep their outside arm free, kind of a outside edge technique. Um, and again, they're five, right? And so mm -hmm. these are like really difficult concepts for them, um, but they're starting to get it. And and what they're having to kind of come over is like, actually he doesn't care if I make the tackle so long as I keep the guy from running around me, mm -hmm. right? And that can be incredibly counterintuitive, right? And and I think a lot of times like our work with the Lord, and it's a billion times more complex, obviously, 
is like, okay, why am I not going to make the tackle right now? Why would God have me uh, running out here just to keep contained? And the, the answer is, you don't know. Like, you don't know what the Lord may have been doing through you in that effort at that time. Um, and you may have thought you were solving a different problem and God had you on like a totally different thing. And that's mm -hmm. okay. So that's what I say, like the, the posture of the Christian life is active engagement in what he is doing. And then just trusting that, that he's ultimately at mm -hmm. work. And and if you if you can get that, um, you know, again, as I said, it, it helps you when it doesn't go well. And it also helps you when it really does go well. Mm -hmm. um, like that's the, right. the Lord is giving us some successes here at Christ Covenant, okay? But like, you have to know, right? So let's talk about this. Like we're a part of this, but like, mm -hmm. we have to know that this is all like something that God has been up to mm -hmm. for a long, long time. Like, what do we have that we've not received, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like what do we have that God has not accomplished? And, and, and how much work was the Lord doing before we ever got here? And again, I have those tendencies too. Like sometimes I'll look at like, you know, other churches and maybe the Lord's not doing much doesn't seem like much is happening there and I'll and I'll even you know I'm tempted to kind of say like oh I know I know how to do this better than that guy and I, I and that's wrong I wish my posture would be like God's at work there he's doing something I know that guy's faithful and God's at work with us and so mm -hmm. um, I just think that if, if you can have that posture it'll keep you from getting too low mm -hmm. when things aren't going well and too high when things are, and you could actually be used by God in a really, really powerful way. And that is so, I think that's so important just to, that should encourage everybody. Yeah. Like just like, because you need to, like you said, like you won't be able to have this like success well, if you aren't recognizing that in the moments where it just seems like not much is really going on. But I think we also, we kind of disciple people to think that God is only at work when totally. the church is exploding. Yeah. And so, well, how do we do that? Well, someone comes and say, wow, God's really at work here. Right. You go to the church and like, it's been the same 40 people for the right. last 10 years. You say, mm. oh man, the Lord's given up on this place. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Saying, God's yeah. at work here. Look right. at the faithfulness of these 40 people. When really, and when really like the Lord is at work yeah. and, uh, and it just it just looks a little different. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay, so it's a complex world, right? Mm -hmm. I said you got to be gospel fluid if you want to, you know, really get through this thing. You got to be able to have the sword in one hand and the brick in the other hand. But how do you do that? I mean, you know, we we said how do you know, right? Uh, that was our first point. Yeah. How do you grow Oof. is our second point. How do you, how do you grow in gospel fluency? So let me ask you guys that question. I mean, gosh, you look at Liz silent T show. You look at Jeremy <laughs> Brooks. I'm in the congregation. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, of course the Lord's going to use them. They're amazing. But how, how can I grow in gospel fluency and gospel faithfulness? What does that look like? Um, so what are some ways that you guys have grown? What are some ways that, you would encourage the listener, here's how I've grown. Here's, here's some things that I would look for. I mean, do you have to go to seminary? Do you like have to go to every one of Lou's classes like Liz does? You do have to go to Georgia. <laughs> oh, well, we, you know, we, we've got a lost cause for me. But we can, yeah, you can spread what we've learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I liked your point, Jason, that you said, you know, that this, that this is a complex topic. This was a complex uh, 
situation that was going on when mm -hmm. Nehemiah was was trying to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. Like we don't want to just kind of sugarcoat and say like, oh, this wasn't, you know, a really difficult task. Um, and then you mentioned that it was also organized. And I thought that really stuck with me like, okay, God is a God of order. God created the world in six days. There was order, there was design in creation and there's order and design that he's given us in how we are to connect with him and how we're to grow. And I think that's really important that we understand like, okay, God, God has given us these means of grace in, in which we can have a relationship with him. And it's not random. It's not just like haphazard and praise God. And so having a rhythm and having a schedule in which you are connecting with him personally through prayer, worship, um, and reading of the scriptures and, and what has really allowed me to grow in gospel fluency is just literally reading the Bible. You know, I, I, I by God's grace, I read the Bible, uh, twice over the past couple of years. Um, and then I've continued to read it. And, and that has just, that really just is what got me going and understanding the full picture, um, the big picture of who God is and, and how, you know, we are his children. We're saved by grace through, through Christ. And so, you know, really committing to actually reading the Bible on a daily basis is mm -hmm. like, is just, that's really kind of the, the entry point. Um, and I think the continual point of reference that, that mm -hmm. has helped me to grow as a disciple. Yeah. Fluency is kind of the word that you brought up. This like gospel fluency, being able to apply the gospel in every situation and like you can't speak spanish in every situation if you're not fluent in spanish because the situations will change um but you're able to like intake that and kind of translate in your mind and then outtake you know output the the spanish but the way that you get that is by consistency right there is this like practice this discipline this learning that takes place and like conversation like that's language is an interesting example and that word fluency is, is good because you can you can read a lot of a language, but you can't really speak it unless you practice it with other people. And so I think that's yeah, that's good. That's really just a helpful analogy to like the Christian life and and applying the gospel is like we need to be in community with people who are doing the same thing. And now I don't think there's anything spiritually significant about the University of Georgia, but I will say <laughs> that when I went to UGA that was a moment where I was in this gospel fluent community when I first got there that welcomed me in, discipled me, taught me to pray, invited me to pray, invited me to read the Bible, um, invited me to confess sin. So all these things were happening in just a really more, a new and concentrated kind of way that interestingly led towards the end of college to a lot more missional living. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking about going to college and growing as a disciple and then like trying to share my faith a lot with like international students and other things. But that progression did happen. And I think a lot of it was because of those early years where people were investing in me and yeah. challenging me and helping me to grow and putting <coughs> things out. And so then later I was meeting someone who didn't know anything about Jesus. And I kind of had something to say, it right, wasn't yeah. perfect, but I had something to say. And so, yeah, I, I do think back to that time and that progression and that was that was significant. So, I mean, just to kind of like super nuts and bolts this, I would 
I would, the, the nine behaviors we talk about, I think are critical. So corporate worship, mm -hmm. right? If you're in a family, family worship, personal devotion, are you praying and reading your Bible? Um, are you giving, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Paige will actually say, she really started growing as a Christian when she started giving. Mm -hmm. yep. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. Mm -hmm. Are you serving in any practical way? Are you joining with other believers? Um, are you, is there any sort of regular rhythm of at least trying to build relationships with non-believers for the sake of the gospel? To your point, like if you never try to talk to a non-believer about the gospel, you're, you're not going to grow in gospel fluency. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, um, you know, if you're trying to learn a language just to keep using that analogy, mm -hmm. um, at some point, like you have to go out into a Spanish speaking culture and try to interact. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's like, you got to get out of the nest. You can't, you can't just like sit there in the classroom forever. Um, and then blessing the city, you know, taking on real meaningful ministry, reaching the world, going on mission trips. So I think those nine behaviors are critical. And th those are what kind of create, I would say, both uh, a system of education and also like a system of challenge that mm -hmm. will grow you, right? Mm -hmm. So the ministry side you know, you, if you're doing ministry, it creates these challenges where you're like, okay, I need to think more about this. It'll, it'll help you ask the right questions. Um, and then, but if you don't, but then you need a system of growth, reading your Bible, prayer, um, studying other things. So those would be the, those nine behaviors I think are really critical now kind of layered within those. I think some of the things that we talk about a lot in our covenant Institute, and, and I'll say this, like our covenant Institute is not at full throttle right now, just because of space issues, but, um, reading through a systematic theology. I think that's a great step in mm -hmm. terms of gospel fluency. Reading through a biblical theology uh, is a great step because you're you're thinking, okay, what does the whole Bible say about these things? Um, you know, looking at particular things, like for example, our faith and work seminar right now. How does faith apply to this thing that I do all the time? Thinking about faith and family, thinking about, um, you know, personal spiritual disciplines, et cetera, et cetera. And, and through all of these, um, I, yeah, you'll you'll grow in gospel fluency. And another mm -hmm. thing, real quick, to say on this before we move on, this is not a one month project, right? right? It's just like learning a language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're coming from a totally different culture, I mean, how long does it take to like really learn a language? A solid about five years. I think five years. Yeah, yeah. I was actually like consistent. I was actually yeah. gonna mm -hmm. Liz, you know, <laughs> Francho. I'm no Georgia grad, but <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, like to really get good at learning a language is a five year project. And right. I would say the same kind of thing. Like I think if you will commit to really growing in gospel fluency for five years, you'll be amazed at where you are. But then just like a language, like you've got to keep using the language, like yeah. you've got to keep staying in the thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, that analogy is like better than maybe we thought. Uh, it really is helpful. And, and I think you're hitting something really important because God does promise that kind of like equipping. Like he says like the yeah. man of God will be equipped. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, we can have confidence while we're doing it, like that God's fighting for us, like that he's that's gonna right. like grow us. He's gonna do it. And that's that's encouraging um, as we're going about the daily and, task. And, and you know, I it. mean, if you just look at like, even about like, like a Paul, for example, who was incredibly well-trained before he became a Christian in terms of like, you know, the what the Bible said, yeah, like he knew the Old Testament, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but But even he took time to train and to grow. And so, I mean, this is not, this is an old Christian pattern. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's right. We're not doing anything really new. That's right. Yeah. And, I, and my like one other point on that too is that it's um, 
you know, these behaviors are, are what we do together in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, so often it's, it's easy for us to kind of shift on like, okay, what do I have to do as an individual? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what's, again, counterintuitive to our culture and kind of where we want to be necessarily, you know, kind of as a, a person that's set apart or like significant, but it's what we are doing is complex because this is, you know, bringing the kingdom of God onto earth, you know? And so the complexity is that this is a, this is you're in God's story that's taking place over millennia. Right. But the simplicity of it is that you're not doing it alone and that it is a simple gospel, you know? So I, I think sometimes we can overanalyze like our effort into it and we have to kind of keep reminding ourselves that if we just engage in these means of grace, I like talking about how, you know, the spiritual disciplines are God's means of grace, you know, that he's invited us into, then it's, it's again, it's, it's relying more on his strength than our own. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the Christian life is more like a long journey than it is like solving a complex math problem. I mean, you know, it's, it's simple steps, mm-hmm. right? So if I said to you, Hey, let's, um, you know, walk to San Francisco <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. That's a very complex, hard thing, mm-hmm. but the process is actually just taking one step after the other, That's you right. know, Amen. Yeah. and eventually you'll get there, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a long project, but eventually you'll get there. We so have this mission vision for our city, but like, just go meet someone at your office right this week like right. is there someone you don't know that you've seen a lot go talk to them this week yeah <laughs> that's the, an intentional step that you can take or if you don't know how to serve like we just said 10 things that you could do just pick one right go serve that's and right. see and the lord will just open up the next thing and the next thing and the next thing so yeah i think and that's that's our i think we have this and that's where i think a lot of the professional understanding of christianity comes from like the the Christian life is not about hitting one of Matzik's fastballs, right? <laughs> it's not about doing this like incredibly difficult thing to do that most human beings just cannot do. Mm-hmm. It's 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 about doing something that, that most everybody can everybody can do, but just doing it over and over and over and over again. So mm, it's good. How do you know? How do you grow? How do you go? Mm. Right. And so this you kind of got there. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you engage? Just show up somewhere and right. ask the Lord to lead you. Mm-hmm. How do you live with gospel intentionality? Uh, that's a good question. Like we talked about going, doing ordinary things, but with gospel intentionality, what, what, what do I mean by that? What, what are some things that like that looks like in the Christian life? Yeah, I think that's, so what are, you know, what are ordinary things? You know, we all eat, we all sleep. Um, you know, we all, we live places. And so, in our living, we are around other people who are also living as well. In our working, we are all around other people who are working. And so it's a it's actually a, a great reminder to what is the the focus a lot of times of, of the mission of God. It's more about people than it is about like giant systems or even like huge buildings or and so this was a great reminder for me actually when we were at Clarkston this past uh Saturday, we were in this neighborhood that was just very neglected. And I mean, you want some city developers to come in who have just like a tiny bit of compassion to say, oh man, we could really like fix this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I was reminded by, by a church member 
you know, the thing that matters here is that like these people who live here need to be impacted by the gospel. They need to know Jesus and other people need to come alongside them and love them and uh, recognize the image of God in them. And so I would say that like when you're, when you're at, when you're pulling into your parking lot and someone else is coming out of their house, recognize that like this person's made in God's image. That's a person. Yeah. And that's a person. And they're the ones that's closest to me. And so I need to at least find out like, where do you live? What do you do? You know, where did you come right. from? How many siblings do you have? Or how are your relationships with your parents? You know, yeah. Just like caring about the individual and understanding them is that's just taking a tiny step of intentionality um, with someone who's right in front of you all the time. <laughs> I'll just do some super like rubber meets the road, nuts and bolts. One thing, pray through your calendar. Like when you wake up in the morning, I, don't, I mean, maybe people don't operate like I do, but like my calendar is like, duh, 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 like all these things. And so I usually just take a quick minute and say, Lord, help me represent you well yep. at our staff meeting. Help me not mm -hmm. screw up when I'm doing the talk back. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> even though I'm with two Georgia grads, you know, oh. <laughs> help me when I have this lunch, like help me really minister to that person. Yeah. And so just like praying through a calendar, and I'm talking like, this is a very, like a one minute prayer, um, really helps me kind of just get focused on those things. So I can be more of an ambassador when I actually approach those situations. So that's like a super nuts and bolts. Another nuts and bolts is I would say a practical rhythm of relationship building, kind of like what we talk about with table talk. Um, if you're in a workplace, do you have any practical rhythm of building relationships with the people that you're working with, to your point, that actually could open the door to gospel-centered conversations? If, if, if you, you can work next to somebody um, for three years, and you know, but if you're both really busy working, you, know, you may not have that intentional of a conversation, mm -hmm. but if you started taking that person to lunch once a month, uh, probably mm -hmm. over lunch, you're going to really have some opportunity to really engage them. So that's gospel intentionality. This is what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Praying for your coworkers, uh, praying for your neighbors, taking walks around your neighborhood and praying for them, taking moments where you're open to be served, um, bringing your neighbor's trash cans back to their house just to be a servant. But again, with, with hopes that you're serving them in Christ, mm -hmm. uh, doing an excellent job uh, at your work, um, humbling yourself before you're showing the character of Christ around your workplace, right? The, all of this, I would say, is gospel intentionality. And we could just, but, but like the, the simple way to say it, to quote Dallas Willard, is living your life the way Jesus would live it if he were you, yep. right? And, and, and there's a really practical stuff to that. And there's some stuff that's, you know, more case by case, but, I think some of those things that I just said, yeah, that's how you go. That's what we're talking about with gospel intentionality. Yeah, I think a way to just kind of succinct that too is is you know every everyone has needs. You know everyone has needs, and so if you can think about going right. into the day of how can I meet the needs of others, yeah, whether that's a smile or a conversation or or financial contribution. Yeah, how, did the, how did the ministry of Jesus go forward? Like he yeah. started meeting people's needs. Meeting needs. Yeah, yeah and good. and it's a. Uh, you know, we do that through through this a posture of God's grace. You know, and, and right. His grace, it's like it is. It's we're more blessed to give mm -hmm. than to receive. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think it, again, counterintuitive. It's it's you know we kind of we have to go push back against that. Well, you know, I got to think about myself first, and then I can help others. It's right? Like, no, no, the, that's. 
we don't live in this world. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to think differently. And we, you know, I think starting your day out, like you were saying too, of like, okay, how can I invite the spirit and follow the spirit and, and what, you know, the work that he's leading me into. And again, ordinary things, workout, go to the grocery store. I'm not, we're not talking mm -hmm. about like super stuff here. We're just yeah. talking about your normal life, but with some gospel intentionality. Yeah. It's not an adding of something to your schedule. It's more about how you're using your schedule. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, and well, one thing that's a little bit of an ad, but I think relates to this is the idea of preparation though as well. And so there's a, you know, I'm not talking about a major like 12 year plan, you know, for every person in your life about how you're going to like help them get involved in a Bible study or whatever, whatever, but like have some, we need to help you have some tools in your pocket for like, okay, if this conversation does go well and this person comes over for dinner and they are interested in learning more about my faith and they've asked me to help them understand it more, what can I do? You know, just having a little plan in your mind. Oh yeah, I would love to take you through the Gospel of Mark together. Right. We can read that for six weeks, four weeks. Would you want to do that with me? You know, having that little thing that you could ask someone to participate in. Yeah. It could be you're just going to be ready to invite them to your community group or something. But have that in your mind. Um, that's another way I think of being intentional on the front end because you're preparing a little bit. Yeah. Books, movies. This is just another thing I have, like ways to engage the conversation. So mm -hmm. that's something I always think of too. Like if I hear somebody that I know is not a believer and they mention a book or a movie or um, a song that I know that they like, I try to, I'll like listen to that, you mm -hmm. know, or read that book or watch that movie if I can. Again, I, you know, you know, th there's some, there's some caveats around this. Like one of my neighbors that, is not a believer like listens to Howard Stern every day. I don't think I would advise that um, to a believer. Um, but like, there are some things that are like, okay, I can make a connection on this. And then I can think about whatever that is, whether it's like Ted Lasso or a, you know, a lyric from a song or whatever it is as a Christian and then engage. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a, that's another little like practical way to like do an ordinary thing, but with some gospel intentionality. Okay. Um, uh, we've probably gone too long, but last thing, how do we endure? How do we stay the faith? We talked about faith, hope, and love. Um, I've got something on this. So, you know, our, our Atlanta Braves are playing right now. And, uh, I was just saying this morning, you know, I went to the game last night and nice. I am like so high on the Braves right now. You know, two two ninth inning walk off wins. So awesome in a row over <laughs> the weekend. We're heading out to Los Angeles. I don't know if we can win, but but like you know, my heart for the Braves, yeah. my faith in the Braves, like everything is so high right now. And and it's and it's in a sense because I've gone to a worship service. You know, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. You know, all uh, hail the Braves. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I engaged in worship and now um, my heart has grown mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. And anyway, that, that analogy has just been like hot in my mind. So I think one of the ways to endure is to continue in worship, yeah, yeah. but for the Lord, right? Yeah. You know, and so just it, as long as like worship is a discipline in your life, I just think the Lord will use that to grow your heart for him and for the things of his kingdom. So so faith, hope, and love, that increases our love. I mean, that increases all of these things, but but how else do we endure in these things? Any other kind of thoughts? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy to be pulled into a passivity. Um, we have, you know, we talked about with the decision grid sermon, you know, everything is drawing us to that, that quadrant that we, you know, we don't want to be in foolishness, wickedness. And so, you know, we need to do what we're called to do in these means of grace and these behaviors and spiritual disciplines to continue to, to labor on, to encourage, encourage our hearts. And when we do that, we increase in faith. Our hope is like, is lifted up. Our love, our affection for God is increased. And, and then it's like, we are filled in the spirit and we have this energy to then, you know, go out and be kingdom ambassadors. And so it is, um, it's, it's, that's like the wind in our sails to keep, keep moving forward. That's right. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you brought up earlier the, the importance of thinking about heaven. Um, and I do think that relates to like, if I'm running, if I am running a race, this is a common biblical analogy. The way that I endure the pain of running is I think about the end. How great it's going to be when you finish. <laughs> I'm getting there. Absolutely. Every step I take is actually just a little bit closer so good. to that pain ending. And so that's what Jesus said, you know, he, he endured with the hope set mm-hmm. before him or with the joy set before him. And, and so, it, I mean, that relates to the worship service, but it's gotta be the most like powerful way to endure is to think about the glory of God and the glory that we're pursuing. And, and so, yeah, I think that in very simple ways, I mean, daily, you know, communion with God through Bible reading, confessing sin to your brothers and sisters, uh, just, just continuing and recognizing that it's, it is going somewhere. You just, you need, you need to find whatever helps you these reminders that are going to tell you you're going somewhere. This race has a finish line and it's, it's just, it's not forever. You know, I, I, I think that's such a good word. I think that where I see Christians fail, lose heart, is when they've they, they have too much confidence in a short term hope mm-hmm. and not ultimate confidence in our long term hope. You know, their their hope becomes in building this ministry really big, or their hope becomes in like some sort of re- name recognition they can get, or their hope becomes in some sort of sin that will pacify their soul in a time mm-hmm. of trouble, and, and their hope doesn't stay in the Lord and His ultimate kingdom, and that one day will be in His presence and and he'll have made all things new. And, and if, if our hope can stay there, we can, we can endure. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been great guys. How about them Braves? How about them dogs for Liz Franchot? Let's go dogs. I'm Jeremy Brooks. <laughs> I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. Thank you.